with the Chicago Bulls set to have no draft picks in this upcoming draft, but a lot of rumblings and rumors that the Bulls are possibly going to trade into the late later half of the first round. We're going to start looking at some prospects that the Bulls could go after late in the first round, as well as talk about Io DeSumo and his improved three-point shooting and what that could mean for him and his future with the Bulls if he does stay with the Bulls. And then lastly, we're going to dive into the mailbag and somebody's getting flame sprayed. We'll get into all that and more right after this. You are now tuned in to Chicago Bulls Central, your number one spot for all things Chicago Bulls, hosted by Hayes. All right, Bulls fans, welcome to another episode of Chicago Bulls Central, your number one spot for everything Chicago Bulls related. I'm the host here, Hayes. You can follow me right off the top at CEO Hayes. That's C-E-O-H-A-I-Z-E. If you want to follow the podcast, you can do so at Bulls Central Pod on every social media platform that we're on. But let's go ahead and get into the content today. So the Chicago Bulls have, it's been a lot of rumblings, rumors, and they're still interviewing prospects, and they may very well trade into that bottom half of the of the first round of the draft. Now, again, I know some Bulls fans are holding out hope that we can trade for the number three overall pick because of some synergy there and things with, you know, us having the protections on the Portland pick. I just, I'm not holding out too much hope that the Bulls are going to be willing and maybe able to offer some of the things that the Portland Trailblazers are going to want and be able to get from other teams. But if they do, more power to them. But I still think the most likely scenario for the Bulls, if they are going to trade into this draft, is getting the New York Knicks number 23 pick from the Portland Trailblazers by removing the future protections on the Blazers' first-round picks. If the Blazers are truly committed to trying to build around Dame and and put together a championship team as best that they can uh, before Dame forces his way out of there, the Portland Trailblazers are going to need the protections removed for those picks so they can go out and get some players using those future firsts. Right now, they cannot trade any of their future firsts past 2028 just because of the protections that the Bulls have on their first-round pick. So with number 23 kind of being our barrier there, right? I'm going to start day after day going and looking at some prospects that the Bulls could potentially get at number 23. And today, we're going to start off with Julian Strother. Now, this is a guy who, if you talking about scoring off the bench, right, especially if the Bulls are going to are going to move Kobe White into that starting lineup, Julian Strother can absolutely be your lead scorer off the bench and ball handler in a way because he's a willing passer on top of that. But let's make no mistake about it. The biggest asset that this guy has and it brings is that he is going to be able to score at the NBA level on day one a long athletic scorer who can score on nearly three levels, three-point shooting, amazing, mid-range shooting, amazing. He needs to strengthen up his ability to finish around the rim, especially through contact. And coming into the NBA, there's going to be a lot of contact there for him around around that rim. That's why I hesitate to call him a true three-level scorer at this point in time in his career, but he still has that ability to potentially turn into that to whatever NBA team gets him. And then he has the potential to be so much more than that as well. With his long arms, the, the, the makeup of his body, you can see him potentially turning into a solid team defender, right? And this guy is slated to go towards the bottom half of, of that first round. Now, I know some Bulls fans are going to say, well, what about Imani Bates? We're going to cover Imani Bates as well. This is just the first prospect that we're covering. But 6'7", small forward, out of Gonzaga. He has a, a almost 7-foot wingspan as well. And when you look at just that, that measurables with him, that are, that's enough there to be able to, to, to convince yourself if you have the right coaches and development plan for him that you can turn him at bare minimum into a solid team defender. But that defense is far behind his offense. Like I said, make no mistakes about it. If you do draft a player like Julian Strother, 
the biggest thing that you're getting right away is his ability to come in and make three-point shots. And when you look at the Chicago Bulls and how much they need to add three-point shooting, and not just a player that can hit some threes, they need to add a player who can be a high-volume three-point shooter right away. Julian Strother projects to be able to bring that right away at the NBA level. Right away. I mean, he, he, he can come in and potentially be one of the best shooters in the NBA eventually, right? I'm not saying right away as far as day one he's going to be one of the best shooters, but he has that level of potential to where you literally can look at him and the mechanics, the fluidity of his shot, right? How quick he can get it off in some situations as well. This dude has that level of scoring. Now, the reason why he may be going towards the bottom half of the first round, some even maybe have him going in the second round of some of these mock drafts, but the reason why that is, it's just because he's not the biggest athlete. He's not going to jump out the gym on you at all. He's not going to be a threat to do that. He can finish around the rim, like I said. But, again, some of that that issue with contact is there as well. But he is going to be that high-level three-point shooter. Um, and, you know, the defense as well. The defense being something that, that concerns teams is why you're seeing that. And he could be sloppy off the dribble as well. Not... I, I, I compare it to this, but I'm not saying it's going to be as bad as this, but he does have some of those Zach Levine-type struggles with handles and, and sometimes. And so, but he's shown a propensity to be able to maybe improve that. But Julian Strother absolutely has been a go-to scorer at times on the collegiate level. Is he going to be that at the NBA level? Maybe. But when you look at things like what the Miami Heat have, right, how Max Struess has turned out for the Miami Heat, even a Tyler Hero has turned out for the Miami Heat, like a Gabe Vincent as well, like just how they have turned out um, at times for the Heat. Julian Strother has the potential to be that type of player. He can come in, especially if you maximize his role off the bench and let him be him, pair him with a solid ball handler, which we would have in Alice Caruso, if Caruso isn't still our starting power forward. You can absolutely see Julian Strother coming in and being that much-needed scoring punch and three-point shooting and the versatility in which you can play him in. You can play him at the two. You can play him at the three, which means he can play next to DeMar. He can play next to Zach Levine, right? And even when you look at maybe Daylon Terry turning in and getting more minutes for the Chicago Bulls as well. We've seen Daylon be the primary ball handler with a great shooter in Carly Jones as well at the G League level. It's still, Julian Strother seems to be, at least for me, one of the best options for the Chicago Bulls at number 23. Is it a bit of a reach? It may be. It really depends on how he tests out as the, we go through this draft combine and process like that. But I can absolutely see Julian Strother going late in that first round or early in the second round. It just depends on if the Bulls see that value in them. We've already talked about it. The Bulls have reached on players before, right? But this is a player that at least has a ready-made NBA skill day one. When the Bulls reached on Patrick Williams at number four, when they reached on Dalen Terry at number 18, which some people saw those as reaches, those players were still raw players. They didn't have their one ready-made NBA skill. Julian Strother's shooting is ready for the NBA on day one. He can get that shot off against anybody on day one. And so I like him as a prospect for the Chicago Bulls. I think he's definitely one that I hope the Bulls are looking at as well if they do trade into the late first round. But all right, let's move on from that. Let me know what you guys think. And I'll, I'll continue covering prospects. Any prospects you want to see me uh, cover as well, keep in mind, we're trying to be realistic with the Bulls being late in that first round. Um, that's where we're trying to trying to hover around. So be realistic. I'll cover any prospects you guys uh, mentioned as well. So just go ahead and, and leave a comment on that as well. Or if you're on the podcast side, you already know at the end of the show, I'll tell you guys how to leave in your thoughts. Next up, Ayo Desumu has been seen working on his three-point shot. And while 
it's great. And, and, and you know, players work on things in the offseason. That doesn't mean that it's going to necessarily turn into a big weapon for them right away. And I, 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 I adding a consistent three-point shot, especially with, with, with being wide open, can do wonders for his game. It can help him create a little bit more space as well. So I understand why he's working on the three-point shot. Io's ability to drive and get to the lane, he needs to finish around the rim a little bit better, right? But his ability to, to get to the lane at times, especially out in transition, is great. If he can add a solid three-point shot to that, keep in mind, I think he shot it around 37% his, his rookie year. That dropped to 31% in, the, in his sophomore year. But if he can be more consistent with the three, it opens up the game for him and the team. But the one thing that I really would love to see Io DeSumo work on is getting back to being the defensive nightmare that he was his rookie year. That was the biggest falloff to me in Io's second season. It was the defense. Io at times in his rookie year was one of the best perimeter defenders in the NBA by statistics. That is not arguable. That is not, you know, that's not me uh, uh, hyperbole at all for me. It's none of that. Statistically, he was one of the best perimeter shooters in the entire NBA his rookie year. And the fact that that fell off so hard in the sophomore year was super concerning. So I really do hope that Io is get, going to get back that confidence so he can be back to that nightmare on the defensive side of the ball for opponents. The offense, let the offense come to you. I really do hope that whether, whatever role Io plays, the Bulls get out in transition a little bit more naturally by playing better defense, by rebounding the ball. Because then I can think, I see that, I think we will see a better version of Io DeSumo as well. And I know some Bulls fans are, are questioning and wondering, and I've done it myself too, on if Io is going to return to this team. And I think that the only way Io does not return to the Chicago Bulls is if the Bulls work out a sign-and-trade with Io or they get lucky and sign a starting-level point guard, be it Trey Jones or anyone else. And because of that, I think that it's still more likely than not that Io is going to be back on the scene, and that is the right move. Io is still extremely young, 23 years old, still has tons of time left, so you, you, you don't want to give up on that development unless you have a piece that is way better right away. And the point guard options lower in this draft for the Bulls, I don't necessarily see being better than Io. So, uh, you know, even me in, in my draft today, I, I went wing, right, with Julian Strother. So, um, you know, hopefully we, we see Io get back to being defensively what he was and then start developing other parts of his game because I still think Io has hell of a, a hell of a, a ceiling on his on his potential, I, of course, it dropped last season after seeing you know in a sophomore year him not take that step up. But he's he won't be he's not the first and won't be the last player to have a sophomore slump. Let's see if he can come back in year three and play much better. And it just it, right now the Bulls will put themselves in a bad situation by only giving them giving him a two year deal. So you know that's kind of my thoughts on that. You guys can let me know what you think down below on that one as well. Let's go ahead and get into the mailbag for today. So the first one up, um, the first voicemail up, this one is from Reginald. Hey, this is Reginald from Columbus, Georgia. Uh, I was just listening to everyone talk about whether or not Booch is worth like three-year deal worth anywhere between 58 and 66 million. And I'm like, all right, think about it this way. What if Booch leaves and go to a team like Sacramento or Golden State? Do you really want to see what Booch would do with De'Aaron Fox? or the bonus in Sacramento? Or do you really want to see what he would do with Clay Thompson and Stephen Curry in Golden State? I mean, he's not going to have the assist like Joker, but he's still going to have like seven, eight assists as a big man center. 
for that team, for those teams. So I'm like, you're not going to get better than him. So go ahead, sign him, bite the bullet. And my question to you is, when it comes to leadership, if guys like Derrick Rose that that young were to decide to sign with the Chicago Bulls for like a one or two year deal worth about four million per, but, which is not the full mid level, but you know, for their leadership, for the contribution off the bench, would you, uh, go ahead and sign him? And what do you think about Javon Curry being, Javon Carter being the starting point guard? Well, at least, Fighting for the starting point guard position. I'm not if I don't know where Pat Bev is going to go. I can guarantee you know it's an offer of 14 million to play for him. So maybe he signs like a five or six million dollar deal somewhere. But I just don't see it being with Chicago Bulls. But uh, thanks for listening. Go ahead, and give me your opinion. All right, a couple of questions there from Reginald. First off, basically I'm going to take it as you asking if Vooch is worth this deal. Vooch is absolutely worth 20 million. And I had I had myself to take a step back. Right, because initially I thought, hey, you get into twenty twenty-two million, that's too much for Vooch. But realistically, twenty million dollars puts him at eight million dollars over the mid-level exception. I think we forget that the salaries increase. That is why even Zach Levine's deal, by the end of it, with the way that the the salary cap is expected to grow, probably won't be a bad deal at all. So no, Vooch's on twenty million dollars won't be a bad deal. I think when you look at his production that you're getting, you're getting one of the best centers in the NBA, despite what some Bulls fans will have you think. And because of that, no, I think that that deal is going to be well worth it. It's just you you start worrying about towards the end of that deal, right? When Vooch is 35, 36, towards the end of that deal, um, how much is he able to give you? But then again, because Vooch isn't game isn't based off athleticism, it isn't based jumping off the gym. Hell, he barely jumps off his feet now. You expect that um, that to continue. And I mean, he had his healthiest season in his career last year. He's been relatively healthy over his career as well. So. If that continues, that deal is going to be more than worth it. Now, as far as bringing in D. Rose or Thad Young for leadership on this team, you, you, I've, I've been very vocal on how I feel about D. Rose. I love D. Rose. I think he's going to retire a bull. But to me, you got to focus on more things than D. Rose. And I know some Bulls fans think D. Rose can get you 14 points per game. He can get you. D. Rose ain't that guy anymore. D. Rose is not that good anymore. I'm sorry. I know that's sacrilegious to say in Chicago, but he's just not. He's not. Now, if you're signing him for a minimum, cool, right? But uh, even then, you have to explore more options than D. Rose first. Now, even and, and, and we are at such a place that we are strapped for cash, we are strapped for roster spots, we can't just give away a ceremonial roster spot for a guy that, yeah, may be some, uh, some leadership and mentorship, but they have to also be able to provide something when we call on them. And I just, like I said, when it comes to D. Rose, I know I sit on, on the – on the opposite end of the spectrum as most Bulls fans were, I'm more so of a, you you got to get me more than what D. Rose can bring at this point of his, his career. And that's starting to go the same way with Thad Young. While I know we we look at Thadgic, the, the Thadgic, uh, is that what we call it, Thadgic? Uh, but uh, we look at Thad in that period of time with him being a Chicago Bull very fondly because he did play pretty well for us. And he did bring some leadership and mentorship that we needed as well. But Thad also has kind of fallen off a cliff, right? And so... I, again, I wouldn't hate bringing in Thad. I still think that he can produce for you at times. You can rely on him at times as well. He's going to give you more than a Marco Simonovic is going to give you, so there's that as well. But I just I hope that the Bulls have their eyes set a little bit higher first. Now, if that, be, if that ends up being what they end up having to settle for, I guess okay, but I just really hope that the Bulls aim higher than that. Now, as far as Javon Carter, uh, we actually talked about him over on Locked on Bulls as well. To me, you bring in John, Javon Carter as insurance if you think Iowa isn't going to take that next step because to me even Iowa in a down season is not that far off from what Javon Carter can offer you except you you know that Javon is going to be a little bit more consistent in that role right you can bet on the consistency 
of Javon Carter. So for me, if you sign Javon Carter, he's not going to come at a, at a huge price point, right? At, I think if you you still re-sign Iowa in a case like that, and you hope that Iowa is going to be able to take those minutes, but if he can't, then you have a vet in Javon Carter that you know is ready to go and is going to be able to give you something consistent. That's kind of my thoughts on it. You guys can let me know what you think down below on that one. All right, let's get into this next voicemail. This one is from everyone's favorite drunk uncle, Ricky Kerr. Hey, you know, man, you know a lot about this sports, man. But you you one of them favorite guys, okay? Yeah, when a guy is in your outside, your favorite man, you're not going to let them go. You're talking about you didn't understand. You understand exactly what I was saying. You know what, man? I don't know why you hate Marjorie Wilson. I'm talking about you did it. You really dislike this brother, man. It's not understandable. Some of you and your fans out there, your supporters out there talking about Marjorie Wilson. I mean, what? Man, that ISO ball, let's stop in there. That's Billy. Y'all need to stop all this silly stuff. Talking about this stuff is Billy. About players not developing, it's because of Billy. Losing games at the end, it's not the players because of Billy. When y'all don't understand, you do what your coach tell you to do. You don't have a choice out there that you just get out there and you want to do what you want to do, even though you might think it's right. You do what your coach tell you to do. I do not understand the Bulls front office. I'm not trying to because they're not going to do anything that you guys want. They're going to, they got a plan. They're going to stick to it. The only thing about their plan, it includes Billy. And I don't understand that. Patrick Williams. Gonna be gonna have a good season, man. But you know something? They got to get the right coach. It's coaching, bro. Ain't nothing wrong with that team. I see y'all keep on putting that team down, something like that. They garbage. It's nothing wrong with that team, bro. Nothing. They need to get big. Like, oh, they need more shoes. They need to stop going to the damn rim, get to the rim, and pass the ball. A show two is better than a maybe three all the time. That's Iowa problem. They get right there to the rim, him and and Kobe too, and they. They pass the ball out to the corner. We don't have them type of shooters. When they're rolling, they can do that. And some of the free agents that's coming in, it ain't going to be what y'all want, bro. AK them will show y'all. They don't care what y'all guys are saying, how much you've been playing. They're going to do what they think they should do. And they got that extension in case y'all keep on hollering about what they're doing. You don't like what they're doing. You might as well like it because they ain't going nowhere either. And I'm going to tell you something. That's going to be a shock to you, bro. This Billy last year. Unless the the bulls they break out, because them people, man, all the things that y'all coming with these numbers about things how the bulls have haven't succeeded in certain things, it's because of Billy. All right, okay, Ricky, okay, and this is where when Bulls fans try to blame everything on one thing. First of all, Ricky, you try to defend Demar Derozan and you can't even pronounce his name correctly. It's not Demar Derosa. His name does not end with a, how are you going to try to come and defend a player that you can't even pronounce their name correct, right? You can't even pronounce the man's name. You sit up here and say he's a Hall of Famer, he's this, he's that. You can't even pronounce the man's name correctly. So how much do you really pay attention to that? As far as everything being on Billy, no. Does Billy go out there and you think Billy's telling them to take bad shots early in the shot clock? You think Billy Donovan, part of his game plan is saying, I need you to pump fake 15 times before you take a shot? You think that... The players don't do exactly, Billy Donovan is there to provide a framework, but there is space in that framework to do things. The isolation ball, that's called because he has players that are best in isolation. That is what DeMar DeRozan has always been as an isolation ball player. So yes, Billy Donovan is to blame. Let me be clear, I'm not abstaining Billy Donovan from any of the blame here, 
But it's idiotic to sit here and say it's all Billy Donovan and that the players are robots. They have no, no. You're, so you're, you're, you're saying that the players just go out there and do exactly what Billy Donovan says. Every single time. It's only what Billy Donovan, you think these players don't have a brain? You think these players don't, that's why basketball IQ is not needed? I'm sorry, Ricky. I get what you're getting at. And yes, a lot is on Billy Donovan as far as the play style of the Chicago Bulls. I will give you that. But you cannot ignore the fact that these players as well play bad at times. And DeMar DeRozan does take bad shots. You think DeMar's also telling, I mean, you think Billy Donovan is telling DeMar, go out there and get cooked on defense. You think Billy Donovan's telling Zach Levine, go out there and dribble the ball off your foot every time we need a clutch play from you. You, you think that that's what Billy Donovan's saying? Come on, Ricky. You got to be a, lo- a little bit more intelligent than that. Now, on top, of, on top of that, as far as the moving DeMar piece, I've been very clear. The reason why I focus on moving DeMar is because he's a 34-year-old player. You don't build around 34-year-old players in the NBA. He's, he's only going to regress. That's the only. He's not like, that's it. That's a player. When they're 34, at some point, they're going to regress. He's an expiring contract on top of that. So when I say deals that involve DeMar DeRozan, it's because you have to explore those deals with expiring contracts. DeMar has been great for us at times, primarily more his first season, but let's not act like we don't see the ways that that, that, that play style, because of the, the players that we have here, also impact and affect the team. Come on, man. You got to be a little bit better than that, Ricky. You've been watching sports for 80 years. You got to be a little bit better than that. All right, let's get into the last uh, one for today. This one's actually a text message from Thomas, and he says this. Qu- uh, question for the podcast. If the Bulls do consider trading DeMar DeRozan, what are the realistic uh, de- destinations? I would assume that they will try to do right by him and send him to a playoff team. I could be wrong. I'm tired of hearing unrealistic trade ideas from fellow Bulls fans and curious to hear your thoughts. Well, as far as a team, I, in my opinion, right? Yeah, if you can send him to a, like, because a, you know he, he does want to play in L.A. If one of the L.A. teams gives you something that you want, okay, cool. Send him to a team in a city that he would want to be in his city, right? But ultimately, I feel like you have the, the responsibility to do best by your, your team first, right? And if you're moving tomorrow, you have to get the pieces that you see fit. I don't care about the destination. You have to get pieces that are going to give your, put you in a better spot for, for your roster and for your team's future. That's what it has to be, the right now or the future, whichever one it is. And that is why they're probably more likely going to be running it back. Because, I mean, could L.A. give up a Mo Bamba, right, that we could definitely use? Could we work out a sign-in trade for, for um, Russell with Mo Bamba to try to, like, those are possibilities do exist in L.A. I don't know how, how much they'd be willing to help facilitate uh, D'Angelo Russell moving out. And I don't even think that the Bulls, should, that should necessarily be their number one point guard target. But if... They, they're left holding the bag, and D'Angelo Russell sitting there like, hey, I didn't get the deal I thought I did, and you can work out a signing trade to not break the bank. All right, cool. Make sure you get other pieces as well. But ultimately, when it comes to DeMar, to me, you got to do right by your team first. So whatever your team, so whatever team they send them to, it has to have what you need to improve this team, whether you see it as shooting, whether you see it as size, whether it is future assets, a future a top 10 protected whatever pick, whatever it is, right? You have to do right by your team first. And so if you're listening to deals, get the best deal. So I don't necessarily have a team um, target in mind. It's more about the asset. And I think that's what you have to do first and worry about your team. If you can get the things that you need for your team and send DeMar to a city that he wants to go to that is going to contend in the playoffs, I'll, I'll bet. Cool. Do that. But it has to be first about taking care of the Chicago Bulls, in my opinion. But that's it. That's my time for today. Make sure you guys follow the show at Bulls Central Pod. You can send us any feedback, questions, comments, concerns, 
bullscentralpod at gmail.com. Lastly, if you want to leave a text message and our voicemail, the number to do so, 773-270-2799. We are the number one spot for everything Chicago Bulls related because of you guys. And like I liked in every episode on, go Bulls. Love you guys. See you right if you can, y'all. Peace. This has been a presentation of the Break Break Media. Media.